1: And now, here are your hosts, Katie Beth and Stan. Good day, everyone. I'm Rod Atley of Legacy Leaders. And on the show today, I have the privilege to speak with Miha Gorbin, who is both a family law and immigration attorney here in San Diego, California, where I live and practice. Miha, thank you so much for being on the show today and uh, sharing the time with us. Let's see. Let me ask you this. How did you become an attorney I want to know what was the impetus to become an attorney and also what got you into the practice areas that you focus on now, that is to say family law and immigration.
0: Well, hello, Rod. Thank you for having me. And how much time do you have? This is a long story. (laughs) It's a while.
1: Try to limit it to about a half hour. All right.
0: I'll try my best. Okay. Actually, I never wanted to practice law when I, I did not, right? I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to have the education. I think law school helps you think differently, right? Be more of a critical thinker. But for me, law school and the law school degree was just to further other interests. At that time, I had interned at the mayor's office in San Diego. Mm I worked on different campaigns, local, state, federal. I worked in DC. So that education I thought was going to help me with that. like maybe with a lot of law students, you go to law school and realize how expensive it is. Um, I found in a, an expensive town in L.A. and thought, I need to pay for things. Yes. And the first year of law school, I, uh, afterwards, the summer, I was very fortunate to find a um, associate, uh, summer associate position. And all they did was corporate class actions. And attorneys may know the first year, you don't learn any of that. So coming in, I just knew how to research. Right. And they come on in. And I had amazing mentors who like, I didn't know a lot about corporate law, but worked with me. And through the summer, I think I, I guess I did a really good job. They asked me to stay uh, through the year. So I switched from full-time student to a part-time, uh, okay. worked um, in the mornings, and then I went to school at night. Wow. And then naturally, just through that, through the years of uh, law school, that became my area of practice and expertise. Yeah. So, right. And again, Finding a job afterwards uh, naturally progressed through through corporate law. I moved to family and immigration laws again because of just circumstances. I tell a lot of my uh, mentees, you know, Mm -hmm. road is like a freeway. You know, sometimes you have to get off an exit and then you like it and you keep going, and sometimes you go, nope, got to get back on the road. It was one that I got married, I was pregnant, and I wanted something different. Law wasn't exactly what I thought I was going to get into, but it just worked for me in that I'm a handholder. Yeah. My clients took a very difficult time mm-hmm. and naturally stayed with it. I started a partnership and both my partner and I felt that was a comfortable uh, area of practice for us. We included immigration as well because both of us were um, immigrants and who better to understand our clients' needs and deputations, but also just knowing what their their hope and dreams were and just you know uh, stayed with those two areas of practice so that's a long answer for your question
1: no i i thank you so much for sharing it it really helps us understand who are you and how did you come to be where you are now so a uh, terrific uh, explanation and interesting background uh, very much so and you know it's not unusual you'll see a lot of folks in politics are usually attorneys they've got a law school education they may or may not have practiced but certainly it gave them a good understanding of the law. And so if they go into politics or they go into government or what have you, it certainly gives them a really good foundation upon which to you know, build a career, et cetera. So. Let's see. What I want to ask you is, can you share with me the, the best family law or immigration? I'll let you choose since you do both areas. The best result you were able to achieve for a client and then the one that was like, wow, that was really disappointing. I do, wish we could have done more to help these folks. Okay. Can you share uh, an example?
0: Yeah. Actually, it's the same client. Okay.
1: okay. <laughs> oh, that makes it a little bit easier.
0: It's great. He, um, he started off as my family law client, and then it became an immigration client. Okay. Uh, well, good. He didn't always listen to what I said, but he um, disclosing a lot of information. He lived in another state. His spouse lived in San Diego. So right. we were dealing with some jurisdictional issues, and then there were a lot of assets. And luckily, there weren't young children, so we didn't have to worry about that. But there was a business. There were a lot of issues regarding how to divide the business, who owned it, basically the traditional things that we go through with family uh, law. And there were a lot of corporate attorneys involved because there was a corporation involved. So I think some of my background. In corporate law, helped out. There were a lot of attorneys involved in different jurisdictions, and he was in a different time zone. So, most of my work occurred after eight o'clock at night. So, working with that and having him trust me enough that I will get you through this, but you need to work with me. And it was very difficult because there were just areas that I wasn't comfortable with. And there's always that pushback of, no, I don't want to give into that, or the other side not accepting uh, the reality of certain matters. So, that was difficult. However, we got through it. The divorce finally occurred after about a year and a half. And he wanted to take some time off. And he went abroad. And I said, do not come back with a spouse. He came back with a spouse. So <laughs> it became my immigration.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, good. Obviously, so, mean, it Yeah.
0: And he trusted me again. The client trusted me in getting his uh, future wife through the process. Now, he was hit with um, travel bans at the time in COVID. So there were a lot of things occurring and some of it really out of our control. Right. You know, right. What governments decide to do and what the world does the health issues, there's nothing we can do. And got him through that. So I think it was a combination of, that was the worst of times, the best of times and got him through it.
1: Fabulous. Well, thank you for sharing that. It, it, I think it helps the listeners to understand that the kind of uh, work that you do and the kind of uh, results that you can achieve. Was there a situation that maybe didn't go as well as you'd hope maybe the client either didn't listen to you or, you know, maybe sometimes there's things just don't work out. And if you don't have one, that's fine. But always curious now, what was the, the best and maybe the, like the worst kind of the flip side, you know, the best of times?
0: Well, as an attorney, you know, most clients don't want to listen to you. But <laughs> you're constantly, legally happening. I know something. <laughs> I know more than you do, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think there's always a combination of Trust me because there's experience and I'm always about two or three steps ahead of you. I think majority of my clients sometimes forget yeah. in family court, the judge that you get, although we have amazing judges, they're limited in time. Of course. And thinking, oh, I'm just going to go in front of the judge and have all this time to explain to him or her what's going to happen and they're going to make the best decision. They have limited time and opportunity to review your files. So mm-hmm. they're going to make it a very impactful decision on your life, your children, on your finances, within a few months, Why would you put that in their hands? Why not come together, the couple, if they can work it out? Let's all sit together and come up with the best options. Granted, there are times we really do need to go in front of the judge. And I'm the first one and say, can we please go see someone? Because we're not getting in work. But ideally, that's the best option. The same with immigration clients; They forget that U.S. immigration is not in the business of letting you in. They don't because, right, because there's so many people and so many resources and so many individuals who can look over your files. Mm -hmm. So you have to be understanding there's so many people are ahead of you and you can't just put some paperwork in and go, well, that's it. I should be let in. It doesn't work that way. You have to put your best forward. You have to include the documents that they ask for, not like, oh, I'll send it in later. No, you get one shot. So, you know, having um, those moments of where you explain things, and you think you've made it clear, but <laughs> it's not accepted or it's not followed. And then you have to basically pedal back and try to fix what has happened.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like you really believe in collaborative divorce, trying to resolve it at the lowest possible level. I think we're, are we seeing a lot more or are you seeing a lot more of that out there? Because I, I know the courts are really backed up, especially uh, during the pandemic. I mean, the courts were closed and it, it, you know, trial dates just got pushed off, years out, et cetera. So are you seeing a lot more of the collaborative divorce uh, in, in your practice?
0: We are, and I think throughout the family law division as well. Again, based on what you said, COVID really did shut everything down. I know that some of the, I think, criminal court and domestic violence division continued. But everything else was basically just stood still. And explaining that to clients that, you know, sometimes it's best to work this out because we don't have a date. We cannot get in front of a judge some, later, so let's try to figure certain things out. Just like I think with civil matters, you know, you try to settle because very few go to trial. One of the things I always talk with clients is that I have them think about, you know, just because the wedding rings come off doesn't mean the boxing gloves need to be put on. You are at a point where you're divorcing. Obviously, for whatever reason, things didn't work out. No one goes into a marriage thinking, oh, we're going to get a divorce. They're hoping they're going to continue in this marriage. They have a family or if not, you know, build something together. It didn't work out. Okay, let's not break down everything in the process. If you have children, you're hurting the children. Of course. If you have assets, guess what? The attorneys are going to get those because you're going to have to pay them or you have to, you know, there you have to, again, plan. And I know no one plans to for a divorce, but once you're in it, there are options. And the anger sometimes takes over. Um, a lot of clients start off hoping that they can proceed amicably. Sometimes it doesn't happen. Other times they're all about high conflict and making the other side pay, whether emotionally or through their pocketbook. And then they see what happens to them or what is impacting their, again, their accounts, maybe their old sanity, their children, then they take a pause. So I guess the best clients that I've ever worked with and like to work with are those individuals that from the moment in the beginning, they realize, you know what, it didn't work out, but let's do the best we can to preserve us if there are kids involved, the family unit in is best way we can. And financially, let's do this without you know, losing everything. the best anyway.
1: Excellent advice and uh, I like that approach. I mean, I, I you know with all due respect to the litigators out there, and I certainly spent two years as a criminal defense attorney in the Navy Jack Court before I came off active duty and then transitioned into Stateland. You know, it, I just don't think anybody really wins a lawsuit when you think about the investment time, All treasure, where if you can resolve it, You know, that's so much better for your, in the long run, for everybody involved. So anyway. I'm
0: with you on that. And there, I have a lot of uh, colleagues who do amazing work with high conflict clients. And they are neat because they're individuals and some spouses who are ready to fight. And you have to, they're not listening. And sometimes they need a judge to come down no. with an answer because they will not listen to the other side. They don't listen to the attorneys and they're right. And a judge will direct them differently. No. <laughs> sometimes that's what they need.
1: Uh, Let's talk for a moment about, uh, let's see, uh, legacy and uh, the, the, the name of this podcast is legacy leaders and, uh, legacy, I suppose can mean different things to different people. I suppose some people think of legacy in terms of the financial wealth that might be passed on, but I also think it can include, you know, stories and values and, uh, lessons that the family, you know, maybe, uh, grandma and grandpa came here from another country. You know, they worked really hard and and they built a successful business, let's say, and they raised a family and uh, they want to pass those uh, not only maybe the business too, but perhaps the lessons that they learned along the way, the, the values that allowed them to thrive here in America. And maybe, you know, any other stories perhaps that, you know, I mean, when I think about the opportunities that I had to write down or perhaps put a tape recorder in front of my grandmother and ask her, hey, tell me about how the family came from uh, my home state of Tennessee into Missouri. They came during the uh, depression because that's where the jobs were. And my uh, grandfather had to provide for his family. And, but I've never, you know, I can I, but I never wrote really anything down and I never recorded anything. So I have vague memories. I think it was like this, but I'm not really sure. And I kind of recall her saying that, but I'm not really clear if, that's, if I understood correctly. So in talking about legacy, what does that mean to you? And what does that mean to your clients? If I can be so bold to ask that? I know, you know, uh, it'll be different for obviously every client, but- sure. Like, is there like a general concept of legacy that, that means something to you and perhaps even to your clients?
0: Again, I have to divide them between my family law clients and my immigration. My family law clients, one of the biggest hurdles is when they're in the process of going through a divorce. They're, they are distributing their assets. They're figuring things out. And a lot of times they forget that an estate planner needs to be involved. Sure. I think there, in a lot of their, maybe some of the accounts that they have, or some of the policies that they hold, they have the spouse as the beneficiary. I have many clients who forget to make those changes, and I'm, right, and then all of a sudden next spouse and next spouse, something happens. And the ex spouse is the beneficiary. Yep. How did that happen? So when it comes to the the uh, family law clients, we always work with a financial advisor, a tax preparer, because those are not my areas. And I think it's always good to have a, another party come in, someone neutral for both individuals to want to work with. And to understand the estate planner is key, especially when they have kids that, you know, yes, you were able to divide certain things. How is that going to move forward? Who's going to what and who's going to be in charge of the children? If they're minors and you're getting a divorce, you have a court order, maybe or you've decided on some sort of visitation custody and things like that. But how is that going to move forward? I've had clients where they have They have to decide how the tax benefits are going to work because they have two children. So sometimes they each take a child for tax purposes uh, or, you know, they divide things like that. So financial, financial decisions and how to move forward and how to best help both individuals move forward is key. One being majority of time, and I don't want to be close minded, that not, doesn't always work. I've had it occur differently as well. Right. The wives tend to be, the women tend to have less of a financial ability once a divorce because that maybe they were uh, caregivers or they were just, just naturally. And I've had clients who know that the wife made more. Uh, But majority, because they're the younger, they can't maybe stay at the home. They can't financially continue the way they were before. So we need to make sure they're being supported the best way possible for them to get back their feet or get to a position where they can do what they want to do. And I think for immigration clients, I have some who want to come to the U.S. purely to start a business. Right. And how can they do that? Um, Others who are coming to be with family. They're coming from countries who credit card is not how they function. I know in Iran, everything was done cash. You bought your home right out. There is no go to the bank and get a loan. It was you had the money, you did it. And coming to the U.S., I think my parents were like, what is this? They just give you money <laughs> you have a credit card. What is this? And for them to realize how important a credit score was, True. not understanding that, yes, you may have financial ability to pay for certain things. But if you don't have the credit, you don't have the history, you may not be able to do that. And to build that, I think, and to being able to preserve that, the assets that that are brought in.
1: Let's see. I I think all of us aspire to be trusted advisors to our clients. And I know that is kind of like the term du jour. I mean, <laughs> everybody talks about being a trusted advisor, uh, but for, 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 I think those of us in the, at least the legal field, I think that we really aspire to, you know, be the, the, the even though I'm a state planning attorney, you know, I'm, I would certainly welcome a phone call from a client, you know, if somebody, you know, they needed a criminal, uh, like they needed a criminal attorney to help a, a relative or a loved one who got into trouble, you know? And so I'm always happy to field that call and, and say, yeah, I, I know someone who can help or whatever, or somebody needs a patent attorney, they've got something they want to protect. So what does that mean to you, if I can ask, being a trusted advisor? uh, I I guess once you get finished with a a client, uh, are you receptive to hearing from them later on if they have other needs, like help somebody with their immigration and they want to bring somebody else over, or they want to bring over family members? I I assume that's probably something that you...
0: Absolutely. I certainly don't want my um, divorce clients to keep coming back. I'm okay if they don't, (laughs) but my immigration clients, absolutely. And that tends to be, you know, uh, immediate uh, family. I think being a um, trusted advisor, it means being the go to uh, many individuals. And I think you probably experienced this as well. Once you're a lawyer, I think family and friends just think, you know it all. You know, they call you for something like, well, that's not my area of practice. Like, what do you mean that's not your area of practice? And I always have to use the analogy. Well, you don't go to a podiatrist and go, oh, my stomach hurts. You Go to someone specific. Yeah, I have general knowledge about a lot of the areas of practice, but these areas, these particular areas, are my go-to. Right. But we, but they know that if they reach out to me, just like you were mentioning, and they want a referral, I only refer them to individuals I feel comfortable with, I trust, because I'm putting my reputation in referring that individual. I want to make sure that client's being taken care of, and I also want to make sure my colleague is not just getting someone who's gonna flake or not be receptive to them. But I want that partnership to work. I want to be that trusted advisor in in providing guidance, but also having my clients feel comfortable enough that when I give you that advice, trust me. There's a reason. It's because of experience and the fact that I'm always thinking two or three steps ahead of you. And this is what's going to happen. So work with me.
1: Fabulous. Thank you for sharing that. Let's see. Who are your best referral sources? And I'm I'll ask this question in the context of both divorce clients and also immigration clients, who are the best referral sources for you?
0: I have to say my colleagues. I think okay. probably uh, clients, uh, more clients through uh, immigration, because again, yeah. I don't want to i but hopefully my clients are not. Yeah. But usually colleagues, because I'm involved in many different organizations. Sure. And I have a particular knowledge of these two particular areas of practice and I have certain language skills. I speak languages, so they naturally feel comfortable in referring me out to. So I, I would say colleagues, individuals that I know just throughout the community being involved with different goal, uh activities, boards, legal boards, things like that.
1: Okay. Let's see. And is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I haven't touched on or anything that you wanted to clarify uh, that maybe you shared previously that you, you might want to amplify on or is there anything else before we wrap it up this uh, during this session?
0: Maybe to circle back to not necessarily legacy, but planning. Always wanted clients to again, especially with my family law clients. No one plans for a divorce, okay. but Jen, I had clients who are not aware of what's happening in their relationship. For example, you know, again, going back to the moms, I would have clients who would say, you know, okay, so let's let's look at some of your financials. What's the mortgage? I'm not sure. Okay. Do you have insurance? Not sure. Do we have this? I'm not sure This my spouse takes care of that. And reversely, when we would talk about um, schools and visitation and the activities for the kids, say, OK, so who drops off? Who picks up? I don't know. Who are the teachers? I don't know. So, right, because each individual, just, you know, my husband and I do that too. We have, uh, we share in certain roles, but being aware of what's in uh, in your finances is very helpful. Obviously, if the spouse is cheating or hiding assets, that's when the, my investigators come into play. But until then, it, you know, you want to plan, be aware and take the time to speak to an attorney. True. You don't always, you know, there are certain things you can certainly do on your own. I right. never advise someone to, you have to use an attorney, but please, especially in the family law and immigration, talk to someone. There are so many steps that you can miss that will impact you. And there's no coming back from that. Again, another analogy is that, you know, I'm sure I'm smart enough that I watch enough YouTube and read a book. I can probably do surgical things, but probably not the best thing. I don't want to do a knee repl- replacement on myself. But in the same thing, you can probably maneuver through a lot of the, you know, USCIS immigration cases and also family court. But do take the time to talk, speak to someone, get some guidance, it's okay to talk to an attorney. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to get it to work. You can just get some information.
1: Uh, Miha, how can uh, folks find you?
0: On my website, is, Yes. it's www.gorbanlaw.com. It's really simple.
1: And uh, that's G-H-O-R-B-A-N?
0: G-H-O-R-B-A-N-L-A-W. W.com.
1: www.gorbanlaw.com. And is there a phone number possibly somebody wants to Area code 858
0: 201 4540. Now, with family law cases, all my clients are in San Diego because of uh, family law is a state matter, so I'm licensed in California. Immigration matters are everywhere. It's a federal law, so a lot of my clients are abroad in other countries, so that doesn't impact me at all.
1: Miha, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak with you, yeah. Thank you for sharing the time.
0: Thank today. you for making time. Appreciate it.
1: Helping educate uh, the listeners about what you do specifically as a family law attorney and also as an immigration lawyer. And uh, making the, the fine distinction that uh, uh, divorce law, family law, is really a state-specific matter, and that immigration law is a, is a federal matter, national. So, um, the different laws apply. And so, if you're going to you know, get a divorce, or you, it looks like it, that may be something that's in your future, you know, uh, reach out and talk to a competent a qualified family law attorney, or if it's an immigration matter, again, don't do this on your own. You know, Talk to a qualified professional and get the right advice, because if you make a mistake, it, it could be you know irreversible. And we don't, certainly don't want to see that happen to, uh, to <laughs> the listeners. Uh, Miha, again, thank you so much for being on the leaders. <laughs> it's been a pleasure to spend time with you, get to know you a little bit more. And uh, thank you so much for sharing more about what you do so that our listeners are a little bit smarter because of it.
0: Thank, Thank you. You. Thank
1: you. You've been listening to the Legacy Leaders
0: Podcast with Katie Beth Hand and Stan Miller. For more information on them and the show, please visit PinnacleLegacyLaw.com. If you like what you've learned today, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.